This is exactly right. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bill. It's me, Roz. Oh my god, this episode today is very fascinating to me. I talked to Rachel Stavis, or R.H. Stavis, as her writer name is on her book, which is called Sister of Darkness. She is an exorcist. This is my first exorcist, and I am thrilled now, you may have heard about her. She's, she's been around for a couple of years uh, publicly, and she's written this book, and she's appeared on television and done lots of media interviews. She actually has a, uh, a piece that she wrote in this month's Cosmo, and uh, I, I've, heard of, I've known about her for a little bit now, and... When it comes to this kind of a thing, it can be very polarizing. Um, so I encourage you all to have an open mind. Um, it kind of reminds me of that 
that uh, travel channel documentary about the Warrens that I was recently watching and I recommended that a lot of you have, have watched and, and I was pleased to hear so many of you enjoyed it as well. But there's a quote that Ed Warren says in there and I'm paraphrasing, but it's, it's along the lines of the difference between a skeptic and a close minded person. And, you know, a skeptic is somebody that still has an open mind. So I think it's really good to be skeptical when we're talking about the paranormal and exorcisms and demons and all this stuff. But um, yeah, just keep an open mind. I always have kind of a, a mental checklist when it comes to psychics or, you know, really anybody that says that they can improve your life and one of them is, is this person playing doctor when they're not really a doctor? Is this person charging massive sums of money? And the thing with her is that she doesn't even charge people. Can you believe that? So that to me kind of adds to my uh, trust in, in what she says. She's not really trying to gain anything. She mentions when I talk to her that... People have wanted to make reality shows about her. She doesn't care. She's not in it for that. She's a successful writer. She actually, we talked briefly about some of the things that she's written, but she's very well known in the video game and comic book world before she started pursuing this exorcism career more, uh, which career, it's kind of an interesting thing to say since she doesn't charge. I really, really think she just does this to help people because she has this gift and she wants to share it with the world. The thing that makes her different from other quote unquote exorcists is she's not a priest. She's non-denominational, but we kind of get into what that means for her as well. And she has the ability to visually see what she calls entities Um, which I think is very similar to what a lot of people consider to be demons. She can see these things. And it's not necessarily what we're used to uh, from movies and, and different accounts. It's she can remove these energies, these entities that cause all kinds of things that can cause physical pain, depression, um, all the way up to straight up what people think of as the devil. But I know from a lot of quote-unquote exorcism cases that sometimes there's other issues going on, mental issues, different conditions that people don't go to a doctor and they think that it's a demon. And I talked to her about that as well. And we get into that in the second part next week. So keep that in mind in case any of those kinds of questions come up as you're listening to this first part. So I had a bajillion questions for her. I've read her book called Sister of Darkness. I was actually reading it when we did this uh, conversation. And she gave me so much that we actually decided to turn this into a two-part episode. And we've also, of course, got bonus clips on Patreon. I talked to her for a total of like around an hour and a half. She was very generous with her time. And on this week's Patreon, she tells a story 
that she says she tells to people and it keeps them up at night. And it's a story of an entity that visited her in the night. And she's an exorcist. And she had to keep the lights on all night because she was so afraid of whatever this presence was that visited her. An exorcist. She's seen it all. And she had to keep her lights on. So go to patreon.com slash to hear that and bonus clips from every week's episode. Also on Patreon this week is my weekly video and this one is if you were at my last live show before everything really got crazy I showed a video of my best friend Sam Pancake and I going ghost hunting or at least doing our best at a haunted hotel allegedly haunted hotel in San Francisco and so I, I put that video with some narration on it on my patreon so you can see us walking around the hotel and if nothing more if you don't live in san francisco it's a it's cool to see this really historic hotel called the hotel whitcomb but i don't know we think that there might have been paranormal activity it's possible it could be explained but definitely it felt like something weird was going on Something else that I want to address before we move forward in today's episode is that last week I got a lot of messages and stuff in the Facebook group and and uh, <laughs> different people bringing to my attention that Thomas Dale mentioned that the Amityville Horror House is now burnt down and it and it's no longer there and that's actually not true. <laughs> um, I think maybe he was confused and uh, the house is still very much up and I completely apologize that I did not even correct him and uh, so I take responsibility for that and I'm so sorry um, but you guys are smart you 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 knew you know what's up you guys stay on top of this stuff so uh, thank you for bringing that to my attention also in the Facebook group this week I got uh, well I was I was <laughs> perusing through the Facebook group and I found some great stories from Joseph and Joseph writes this first one, which is bonjour. Hi from Montreal, Quebec. This is my first post and I have a crazy ghost story to tell you. All right, let's hear it. Joseph. I have always loved everything paranormal and witchy. However, this experience affirmed for me, this stuff is real. This experience happened four months after my boyfriend and I moved into our lovely condo. It was 11 a.m. during the day, and I was finishing up my degree online with SNHU. My boyfriend was at work, and I saw him leave and kissed him goodbye around 8.45. At 11 a.m., I'm sitting upright in our bed, typing away at a long essay. Suddenly, I hear extremely loud footsteps coming down our long hallway to the bedroom. This is when shit got, in all caps, CRAZY. These footsteps were not imaginary. The sound was clear as day. I basically was about to stand up and go see who the hell was in the house with me when my boyfriend, who was at work, walked into our bedroom with the same clothes he left in. I was confused. Why in the world would he come home early and not tell me? So I put the laptop on the other side of the bed and make to get up 
and talk to him. However, that certainly didn't happen. Before I could even stand up, my hearing went numb. Any outside noise was completely shut off. All I was left with was this sort of tunnel-like vision and hearing to my boyfriend standing in the entrance of our bedroom. Disclaimer, at this time I was waiting for my permanent resident card and couldn't begin French immersion. During that time, my boyfriend only spoke English with me as I didn't speak his or his family's language yet. So through this tunnel-like vision, this being that was my boyfriend spoke in French, which as I said, my boyfriend wouldn't have addressed me with since I didn't speak yet. P.S. I speak French now, which makes this more creepy because I'll never forget this experience. Also, I must mention, this being who was my boyfriend, was not transparent or foggy in any way. He looked 100% human. So my boyfriend starts to speak in French, a long paragraph, but I couldn't understand. However, one phrase stuck out in my mind. Oh man, I don't even know if I can say this. I'm not even going to try it, but (laughs) the translation is, I'm the spirit here. And after that was said, I made a shocked face And the being that took my boyfriend's form and the tunnel-like vision disappeared as if nothing had occurred. However, directly after the being disappeared, right in my ear came a child's laughter. (laughs) The laugh wasn't in my head. This was out loud. It almost echoed in the room. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I called my boyfriend, who I interrupted at work in the middle of something, and couldn't shut up. I had to tell him. He didn't come home. He was at work. Whatever being was here wanted to have some fun with me. I cannot describe to you the feelings of those moments. It was more than real. It was supernatural. It has never happened again. However, every time I share this story, I get chills and goosebumps. (sighs) And then Tracy wrote in the comments, that is super creepy. And Joseph wrote, it seems creepy, but honestly, I felt no malice or evil during this experience. If anything, I was super wicked excited about this experience. However, I have never heard about a spirit taking on the appearance of someone else until this happened, and I researched it. It's quite common, apparently. Thank you, Joseph, for sending me that. Yeah, doppelgangers, that's really a thing. Oh my god, it's like a clone. (gasps) Maybe, maybe it was trying to start a thruple. Maybe it was some kind of energy that was like, oh, well, I already know your type. You like a guy that looks honestly exactly like your boyfriend. If I could just look like that, maybe we could start a relationship. I don't know. These are just ideas. Now, I am, of course, not an expert at all, but... (laughs) From talking to Rachel today, I will say she talks about a type of what she calls entity that mimics people or familiar situations as a way to creep into your life. Now, I don't know if I'm not saying that that's what this is. You can you can listen to what she has to say about that, but um, it's possible. We should probably get to the conversation with Rachel. And and again, I want to point out that it's a two-parter. So the second part of the episode will have EVPs, which will come out next week. And 
It will also answer a lot of questions, a lot of further questions and um, questions like what what do we do about this? How do we how do we protect ourselves? And she she tells some really spooky stories next week as well. So here she is. I hope you enjoy my conversation with R.H. Stavis. On with the show. Hello, Rachel. How are you? I am so good. How are you? I am great. I'm, well, I'm actually, first of all, I'm so sorry I haven't had you on sooner. I have known about you and I really am very obsessed with you. And I've had just such a big (laughs) stack of books that I haven't had time to get to until quarantine. And then now I've been reading your book and now I'm full blown obsessed with you. And um, (laughs) I apologize because I was, I was, I'm about 20 pages away from finishing it, but kind of like, um, kind of like your profession, sometimes drag, drag duty calls and I had to run and go do some drag. So I haven't quite finished it yet, but. Well, that's okay. Thank you for reading. That's very nice of you. Oh my God. It's, Really good. Um, so, first of all, you're a non-denominational exorcist. Can you tell us, for anyone that doesn't know, what does that mean? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, it is kind of what it is, right? But um, unlike, you know, being a priest or affiliated with the church, I kind of work with a lot of different high beings. I don't have any specific religion, um, and I take anybody uh, who thinks that they might have something going on. Um, but basically it is what it is. Like I say, I remove what people call demons, what I call entities. Um, I remove them from people, um, and sometimes places. Are you doing it like in quarantine? Um, I, no, (laughs) not really. Um, it's definitely a lot harder in quarantine. Um, I was doing, um, some Skype, not, not the same kind of thing, but, um, just, you know, uh, speaking to people about their guides and what's going on with their world and their energy, because that's essentially how this all works, which we can get into. Mm -hmm. Um, But in person, not so much. Yeah, because I I was reading that you were talking about how entity can mess around with um, technology. So I can only imagine what that would be like over Zoom or Skype or something. It's, It's actually crazy. Like, to try and do that over Skype is it's its own kind of miracle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah, entity totally screws with like electronics the same way deceased people do. You know how people are always talking about that. I'm sure you've heard that 8,000 times, like, you know, it drains batteries or breaks things or whatever. Entity is like that times a thousand. So just as an example in my, I have a, a spirit room where, you know, I work on people and, um, I used to have this picture up that was in glass. It was a a picture of my grandparents from the 1950s and um, the glass, just the glass would break so often that I had to move it out. (laughs) Oh my God. Like after an exorcism? Yep. Yeah. So we don't allow phones. There's no jewelry. There's nothing like that. So do you have people come to you that think that they have an entity or demon, but it's not? Does that happen a lot? Um, sometimes, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Cause I think people have this idea about exorcism from movies, right? Like this is how it goes and the heads are spinning and it's always kind of this, what I call movie style entity. And it's not that. Aww. 
<laughs> not always. I mean, listen, that happens. Let's not go crazy. Do you wear a plastic but, poncho just in case somebody spews green slime all over you? <laughs> no, oh. I do not. I will say, I will say that having someone throw up is not that uncommon. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not as messy as you've seen in the movies, but it does happen. Yeah. You know, but sometimes people come with something as simple as they can't conceive or, you know, they just feel blocked or they're not sure what's going on. And they do have entity, a different kind of entity. Like, like I say, there's like a spectrum of entities, which again, we can. Oh, yeah. But, you know, um, sometimes they come in where they think they have something and they don't. And it's actually trauma, which is what all of this stems from in the first place. Right. Right. Well, because I imagine. I mean, with religious exorcists, they probably get, because that's what's so interesting about what you do is that you see the, you can see entity. And I don't know necessarily that a lot of religious exorcists have that ability, right? So I imagine that they probably get a lot of people that it's like, uh, my son is into heavy metal or they're gay or, you know, <laughs> some of that kind of fun stuff. And it's like, no, you're not actually possessed by a demon. They're just cool. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. And sometimes it's also the opposite, right? Because they can't see. So it's like it, you have a checklist. It doesn't meet the criteria. So they must be faking, which I've had several clients like that. I've had several people come where, you know, they were turned down by the church saying that this child doesn't have it or there's no way. And I can see with my eyes, a very weird situation, but I can see in five seconds if they're faking or they're not, you know? Really? Yeah. Cause you can see, like you were saying that you, you can even look at a picture or, you know, so you can see people on TV, somebody that's like, I don't know, like a, a a president or something you see them on tv and you can see like a an entity attached to them yes i can see it in photos i can see it in tv and film it's very distracting when an actor has one. Oh, i'm sure <laughs> really hard to tune it out and like be in the moment with this movie um but yes i can <laughs> could you tune that out can you like turn it off you know, so just some backstory for anybody who, you know, has never heard of any of this. Um, I was born with the ability to see entity. I didn't know what it was when I was a child. It was just very scary. I, I saw monsters, you know, mm -hmm. so it was like kids that, that complain about monsters under the bed or monsters in the closet and the parent comes and they're like, there's nothing there. For me, that did not go away. But I learned not to speak about it because I learned like from my mother very quickly that that meant I was crazy. And so I didn't speak about that for a very long time. And part of the not speaking about it was wishing to be normal, um, whatever that is, right? And then trying to push it out. So I got very good at pushing it out for the most part, like, like basically blocking that site, um, unless something was extremely malevolent, then it would always come through anyway. But then when I became an adult, I had this very small, you know, not, not the cliched kind of thing where you have like this near-death experience, but I had like a fender bender. And it was like one thing too many that week, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden that site blew open again and I could not block it out. And, you know, like the homeless guy who's screaming on the street, I could see what he was screaming at. And it was just a 
the floodgates opened and that was that. So I couldn't block it out anymore. And now, you know, I had, I had to reason with myself like, okay, I'm either crazy or I have this for some, some point. Um, and I always joke that, you know, I sat down with a scotch and looked up to the heavens and was like, all right, people, like, let me know what this is. Um, and many scotches later, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and you use, um, you know, you connect with a lot of different higher beings and, and that's, so I, I'm sure people are always wondering like what the non-denominational uh, aspect of it is because, you know, you, you do talk about um, kind of working with Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad and, you know, all, all different types of um, higher beings. And, and so I guess what I'm always wondering, and this is something I've pondered many times throughout this show, is hmm. just, you know, is that a person-to-person thing? Is it, is it what, what one person believes is good and what, what evil looks like? Is that different for everyone, or how does that work? Well, when, when we say, like, non-denominational, I guess that's not exactly the right term. Um, I don't practice any kind of religion. So that's why I consider myself non-denominational. But at the same time, I work with multiple high beings. So I guess you could call it multi-denominational. Okay. Uh, You know what I mean? I guess that's a more accurate saying. Um, But a lot of that is based on who is coming because, you know, it's very interesting. Like people have varying ideas of, of what is spirit, what is the universe, what is God, what is angels. You know, everybody has this this thing that they identify. And a lot of people who've come to me, believe it or not, are profoundly religious, many multi, you know, tons of different religions, um, and are afraid. And they're always very surprised because what happens during the process of that is usually one of their high beings will step forward. So let's say you are you know, someone who is a Buddhist, you know, then that's, that's what comes forward. If you are someone who is very Catholic, you know, so they all kind of come together to put the person at ease, if this makes sense. Okay. Um, and they, what, what really upsets people, (laughs) because we're here, we're here to upset people. Um, what really upsets people that I say is that they also work together, these high beings, which people don't like. Get out of town. They don't like to hear it. They don't like it. They're like, no, my religion goes this way and your religion goes this way. And they're very separate. Actually, no, they're not separate at all. Yeah, I know. So many of them, it's it's basically just about not being a bad person. And Yeah, like, can we just not be assholes, basically, is the underlying theme of all religions, yes. right? When they're not exploited for destructive benefit. Exactly. And it's like the, just the whole idea of like, well, if you don't believe my religion, then you're bad. And it's like, it's, it's really not about that. And I think of anyone you, you've seen that firsthand more than most people, I think. Yeah. I, and you know, it's wonderful when you have someone who comes in both as like a skeptic and a very religious person who thinks like you might be crazy, but they, you know, you're like a last hope, a last mm-hmm. resort. And change their minds completely at the end of it, where they become more open, more spiritual, more accepting because of what they've been through. 
So that's like something that I find to be one of the big joys of this job, if you will, (laughs) if it's a job, (laughs) um, is, is to change people's minds and to change how they live, you know, the unconscious versus consciousness of, of treating themselves with love and treating other people with love. Well, when you're talking about job, I, okay, you, you wrote the backstory to Laura Croft Tomb Raider. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. That was a long time ago. Yeah. I, I actually, well, I saw you like glazed it. over it in the book and I was like, what, 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 what? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. A million years ago. Now I'm an old woman. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I am a writer, you know, full disclosure. I do write, I write for film and television now, but I started in uh, video games and comics. That is so cool. And you also worked with my number one idol, who has also been on this podcast, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Ah, I love her. I love her. Isn't she the best? She's the coolest and also has an amazing ghost story. I don't know if you know this story. He lived in a haunted house. Oh, it's good. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, honey. And June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the Detective Club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. What's your relationship to... to quote unquote ghosts, you know, when we're talking about haunted houses and that sort of a thing. I know you talk about entities that are attached to houses, but what about human ghosts? So human ghosts are different than entities, right? So the like I kind of I'm I know you read the books, but for anybody who who has not and is hearing me speak on anything for the first time, I like to compartmentalize. <laughs> I just make it so much easier for myself. So, you know, like reading the book, there's like this type of entity, this one, this one, this one, just to help me. And so deceased people to me are like in a class by themselves. So deceased people, they don't attach in the way that entity does. You can't really be possessed, quote unquote, from a deceased person. You can be annoyed. Uh, Uh You can be harassed, um, but they don't really possess. Uh, But what they do, and you're going to laugh because this is so true, is they don't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
they do not ever shut up. Deceased people, the di big difference between deceased people and entities aside from that category is that deceased people can't wait to be heard and seen and entities do not. They wanna hide and hide and hide. So deceased people, if you open up your mediumship abilities, because I believe absolutely everyone on this planet is born with mediumship abilities and the ability to speak to your spirit guides. So when people are ready to reopen that communication, they start realizing, wow, there's a lot of dead people who want to talk to me. Okay. So, but does that happen that people come to you and they have like, I mean, because can a ghost can... Uh, not necessarily attach really, but, or do they, do they follow, can't they follow someone around or is that just like a trickster or somebody that's, you know, a, an entity that's pretending to be a, a human ghost? Yeah. I mean, if it's a relative or someone with unfinished business, of course, they might try to harass you into to finishing that, whatever that is. Okay. So like personally, you know, I, then this is no secret. This is in the book. My, my mother was like a malignant narcissist, a really terrible person. And when she passed, she passed without, with a lot of unfinished business, you know, cause we weren't really talking and there was a lot of stuff and she never apologized for anything, you know, same old, same mm -hmm. old. So when she passed, she was very harassing and trying to have communication with me to try and fix that. However, she needed to fix that. So if you have that going on with somebody and, or, you know, you had a really beautiful relationship with someone, deceased people will hang around with you for that. If it feels much more negative than that, and it, it's starting to affect or impact your life in a negative way, most likely that is what I call a trickster, which is an entity that can take on the form of something, you know, um, usually they will attach to people when they are children. So they'll come in as imaginary friends, um, weird things like genies, believe me, I have seen it all. <laughs> um, but to adults, they might show up as people who passed away. They might show up as archangels, like whatever they can do, excuse me, to have a symbiotic relationship with their host. Okay. Well, I feel like we should probably talk about your the different classifications if that's cool with you You're yeah absolutely so even going back a little further just to talk about how attachment works because i think again like people often have a misconception of of how you get quote unquote possessed mm -hmm. um so everyone kind of walks around with what i call a baseline frequency because we're talking about energy and frequency everything's an energy right we're putting off energy um, and our baseline frequency is, you know, how we, what our internal dialogue is, how we communicate with the world, what we, what our actions are, all of that stuff. And most people kind of walk around in, in a bit of unconsciousness, as we can clearly see as we look at this country. Um, and so, you know, on a scale of one to 10, where one's dead and 10 is Buddha, most people are walking around with like a four. Um, and we can work on ourselves and raise that vibration, but that takes time. The thing that doesn't take time is trauma. And when we have a trauma, that baseline frequency takes a hit. And now we are in low frequency. And when we are in low frequency, that is how low frequency beings, low frequency attachments do that. They attach. Um, 
And there are many different types of entities. Uh, in the book, we talk about like the most common, uh, the smallest of the most common and, and the literal most common is what I call a clive. It's very scientific why I called it that. Um, <laughs> I call it that because it looks like a Clive Barker drawing to me. <laughs> Which sounds terrifying. Sounds um, not great. But I was also really <laughs> shocked to hear you said that they're really small. Super little, very tiny, about the size of a fist. Um, and they are, like I say, most common and they work as amplifiers. So, you know, if you're sad, you're depressed. If you're depressed, you're suicidal. If you are angry, you have rage, et cetera, and it just keeps going. And they're very easy to get. Um, and they, you know, not to scare people, <laughs> but I guess we're going to scare people anyway. Do um, it. About eight <laughs> about 85% of the population walks around with these at any time. <sighs> and most people don't know that they have it at all. And so without going to you, do people, they once they raise their frequency, they just kind of go away? Yeah, because these are also the ones that are the easiest to get rid of. Okay. So, you know, once you, you are in a place where you are healing yourself, oftentimes that starves it out and then they go looking for something else. Okay. So... That's those guys. Um, then next up, we have wraiths, what I call wraiths. Uh, and those are the ones that are attached to um, sexual dysfunction. So molestation, rape, abuse, being exposed to something too early. They oftentimes will come as night terrors. So people will see them as those kind of dark shades. Um, and they will also kind of do those, uh, the chest sits, you know, where people feel like they can't move. Sleep paralysis and that sort of a thing. Yep, all of that usually is attached to rates. Um, and they also can cause, you know, you to not be in a relationship at all. They can lead people to that kind of narcissist impasse relationship. They can ruin good relationships, whatever, whatever your style is, that's what they feed off of. Okay. And then we move up to tricksters, you know, which we talked about taking on the form of something else. And all the way up to what I call realm walkers, which are what people consider the devil, really. But there's more than one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can, can you tell the trickster story about the ring, the girl that had the ring? Yes. Oh, my gosh. This okay, is a good so that's one. A <laughs> I get some visitations. And I did you ever hear the visitation, the New Orleans visitation? I should tell you that, too, if you if you have. Oh, my God. We love talking about New Orleans on here. Yes, please. Yes. Well, my favorite place, my favorite place. Um, OK, so I get visitations quite often. Um, I don't get attachment, thank goodness. But because of what I do, you know, they tend to show up sometimes. <laughs> Um, and it's more out of like this weird curiosity. They kind of want to know, like, how do you see, you know, what, what are you doing? That kind of stuff. Well, do you believe that they see you and they go, oh, she can actually see us or she, you know, do they, do, do you appear yeah. different to them than other people? I think so. Because when I was a child is when they started to notice me, noticing them. Okay. And they didn't really bother me with visitations until I, until I started getting rid of them. <laughs> okay. And so now um, I have these things called bad moons, which everyone jokes is like a cosmic period, um, which is like from sunup or sundown to sunup, 
like every six to eight weeks, I will get visitation after visitation after visitation. So I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's like the universe just kind of balancing itself out or what. But one of those visitations, my very first visitation, in fact, was the one you're talking about. So I, at the time, lived in a house that had um, a bathroom connected, you know, to the bedroom that had kind of a frosted glass. And I was there in the bed. And it's sometime in the middle of the night and the frosted glass, you can see that the light is on from the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird, but whatever. And I was married at the time and I had my ring on and I'm noticing that there's this blonde woman walking back and forth in the bedroom, kind of like throwing clothes over the exercise machine and just nonchalantly, like she lives there and has been there all her life. And I'm like, who, who are you? And she doesn't really say, and she's just kind of putting the stuff back and forth, like la la la. And she's like, you know what? You should take that ring off just like that. And it it took me so long. I was like, what ring? What is this girl talking about? Who is this girl? And she's like, yeah, the ring, you know, it has a ghost in it. And I was like, what the hell? Who even says that? You know, like who says a ring has a ghost in it? So I'm, I'm trying to process this while watching her like totally, you know, no big deal situation going on. And I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, she's talking about my wedding ring because my husband at the time and myself, we had put like protection on these rings when we got married. And I realized, oh shit, this is what she's talking about. So all of a sudden I was like, who are you? And she flew up over me. I'm laying on my back in the bed and she is right above me face to face and starts pushing her way into my body. And I was like, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. And then she was gone. And the light was still on in the bathroom and clothes that were not over the exercise machine were still there. (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) And that was not even my worst. That was like the nicest one I've ever had. (laughs) Oh my God, seriously? Yes. (laughs) Okay, what's the New Orleans one? Okay. So what we don't talk about in the book Um, is that there are entities that are attached to uh, regions. And it's it's not um, like something that people have to worry about. So in essence, the book was for people, right? So you know, this is what it is. If you're feeling this, you know, you might have this. The region ones are different. You know, they don't attach to people. But I was in New Orleans and I was sleeping. (laughs) And... um, in this particular room, there was, um, so this is a, a condo that I have. And uh, I had in, the, in this room, um, one of those little night lights that projects onto the ceiling. And it's like a little fish tank. <laughs> it presents like little fish. <laughs> and uh, that is like kind of always running. And then there's a window out to the street. And it's fairly close to the French Quarter and like you can see like there's lots of lights on and people are walking kind of all hours and um this particular night (laughs) I am in the bed 
And all of a sudden, this thing, I don't, I, I wish I could categorize this. I'm still struggling to figure out like, what is this exactly? But there was this, what I call like a banshee. You remember banshees? Yeah, ooh, okay. It was a woman. It came up to me. It had, it opened its mouth and it had like rows and rows and rows of teeth like sharks. And it was literally trying to bite, which I've never had an entity do before, ever. It was trying to bite. Wait, I have a question and, on that. Um, yeah. Are they, the way that they appear to you, are they like physical? Like could could one actually sink teeth into you or is it more, um, I don't know what the word is, but you know, like, can you walk through them? Like, you know, you, you get what I'm asking? Like, is it yeah. physical? Yeah. I mean, to me, they're very much, they look like you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can see them and they're as as uh, real as any human being. Okay. I've never tried to walk through one, <laughs> so I don't know. Right. <laughs> Maybe they just poof into smoke. I have no idea. But this, I will say with this one, this was the first time that I actually could feel that bite. I could feel it. Um, normally with entity, you know, especially what, you know, the realm walkers, those movie style entities, you, you can have, um, physical abrasions from them. You know how you see in the movies, like there's teeth marks or there's scratches or there's, uh, words in somebody's skin. Yes. You can actually wake up with that, but most people don't remember feeling it. It'll happen when they're asleep. Um, with this particular entity, this is the first time I actually felt that happening in like real time. So I freaked out. I was freaking out. I was like trying to get it out, trying to push it out because this is what I do. And it was very, very strong. And out of the corner of the room came this giant man wearing like animal skins and long, long black hair over the face, kind of like the ring. <laughs> and he came out of the corner and he grabbed this thing and backed up into the corner and disappeared with it. Who was that? I did some research okay. and it looked like it was a, a Native American chief and this might've been something so regional that he could feel that I needed him and he came and took it. Oh, wow. Um, Yes. And when this happened, here's the craziest part. This is where things get even weirder. All of the light, like the, the little fish light went out, completely went out. Remember we were talked about like the draining of the batteries. Yeah. It went out. And I, w I was like looking around, like I sat up and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and I'm looking around, I'm looking around, I'm looking around. And not only did that go out, but the entire block in New Orleans went out. <laughs> there were no lights anywhere. Nobody could figure out why. It was just in my particular block. Oh, this is too scary. Yes. <laughs> and at the same time, so I have a girlfriend and she was in the bed next to me. And she sat up at the same time and said, oh my God, I just had a dream about this woman who was trying to bite. Well, yeah, I guess that's another question. Like, have you had these, have, has an entity like that ever visited you or have you encountered them where other people also were in the room and saw them or saw an effect of it? 
I mean, to a degree, I guess that yeah. a dream counts. Um, but you know, are there other times that that happens? Normally they don't see them with their eyes, but the problem with being in a relationship with me <laughs> is <laughs> one of the many. Is this on your dating profile? You might be visited by a banshee in the night. You are hitting it because <laughs> for so long I was like, I'm not going to date anybody. Um, I'm not going to be around anybody because this is like a real issue because when you are around me, the closer you get to me, the more paranormal experiences you have because it's part of my life, you know? So not only are you dealing with the emergency people who show up at midnight and (laughs) need help like that minute, but you also have to deal with the fact that I do this for a living and, or not a living, I I should say, but as part of my life. Oh yeah. We should also tell people you don't charge for this. No, I don't. Um, so yeah, like it's, it is part of my life. It's, it's my calling. It's, it's part of why I'm on this planet. That's how I feel. So I don't, I don't say no. So, you know, you're dealing with that. Plus you're dealing with things falling off the shelves, things flying around rooms, like waking up with terrible nightmares all the time, you know, thinking you've seen things out of the corner of your eye, losing stuff, then finding it in weird places. Like this is all stuff that happens. Another thing I should say, um, which I'm sure people have gathered from just listening to you. When I, when I first found out about you, I was like in exorcist. Okay. I'm listening. And (laughs) The more I heard you speak, um, not only do you seem you seem like a like a normal person in in many ways. <laughs> you have a great sense of humor, but you're also like I would feel very safe being around you um, when it comes to this kind of stuff because you're the one that makes it go away. I mean, you're you're right. absolutely um, I don't know. You're a hero to a lot of people that are oh, in these situations. Right. So you know, I'm sure that. It's probably unlike most things, if someone's going to date you, I'm sure they haven't dated many other exorcists, but um, they picked one that could keep the the bad stuff away. So that's good. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, I am pretty confident in my job. I have been doing this for over a decade. I have worked on, you know, everyone from heads of studios to politicians to, you know, rock icons to grandmas, <laughs> to children, <laughs> to next door neighbors, you know, like everybody. Um, but, you know, I think two people think, oh, that'd be cool. Like, I'd really love to be around that until they are, yeah. until they see how scary it is and how real it is and how draining. Because I, one of the things that I don't really talk about that much is how hard it is, yeah. you know? how hard it is physically, how hard it is emotionally, what the backlash of, of working on people is like. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I have been accused of being extremely cocky. <laughs> it's my big demon energy. Um, <laughs> you know, like people are always like, wow, she's very cocky. Like, you know, you, you are reading the book. And so some people were really offended by the language in the book because I'm very confident about what I do. And I always say to that, like, what do you want? Like, do you want a non-cocky exorcist working on you? Right. But you have to actually have the track record to back it up. I think there's also people, (laughs) there's politicians, there's people that are like. We're not talking about like fake confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no confidence. (laughs) Yeah. 
But you know, like how many nice, good people do you meet who are so self-deprecating and have been treated so poorly in their lives, especially in childhood and have like no worthiness. And, you know, it's so hard for them to even take a compliment, you know? Right. That's what I want to change. I want to change that for people because I, as you know, like when reading the book, one of the easiest ways to change this, even even um, your ability or possibility of, of having attachment is to raise that vibration. And part of raising that vibration is starting internally with your dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, because we're so hard on ourselves. So many people are so hard on ourselves, like really terrible. And it's about kind of restructuring that first, because how are we going to love other people if we don't love ourselves? That's right. And I mean, if you're lucky enough to find your calling or whatever, and you do it the best that you can, I mean, that's that's such a gift. Um, I mean, if I was reading your book and and you were like, I'm pretty sure I can get rid of demons, I'd be like, <laughs> okay, girl, I got other things to read. <laughs> Like, you know how it is. It's like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, literally. (laughs) Oh, my God. We always talk on this show about the relationship between creative people and celebrity and Hollywood and the Mm -hmm. paranormal. I mean, are are there connections that you see with that? Yeah, I mean, I kind of see it in a different way. So, you know, how it looks to me is, again, like what I work in is trauma, right? That's that's what people have a shared situation of. And I do feel like, of course, when people are trying to um, go after a dream, a huge dream, a big dream, like people do when they come here um, and and even achieve that dream, it doesn't heal the trauma. <laughs> you know yeah and so i think like a lot of people come come to entertainment as a way to try and fulfill something voided in in their lives and then they get it and they're like why am i not all better so and i think creative people in particular are kind of broody right we're broody <laughs> broody people like we tend to spend time in those dark places and that that's difficult, you know, to handle on your own, especially if your childhood or your, your traumas in life or your traumas, even as an adult have attracted something negative with you. Um, but it's interesting too, because I deal with so many people who are very big creatives who always tell me when they come I want this gone. I know there's something here. I want to be better. I want to feel better. I want to heal this out. But also I'm afraid to let go of it because I think that this is what gives me the edge to my creativity. Mm, Yeah. Well, I know that from working in comedy. There's a lot of, there's a huge belief in comedy that if I lose my edge, if I lose my, um, my darkness, I'm no longer funny. Right, exactly. And same for musicians. Musicians feel that a lot. They're very worried about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not true. (laughs) It's not true. It doesn't, you know, just because you take out the thing that is actually plaguing your life and making it worse doesn't mean that you're going to forget everything or suddenly be stupid or suddenly not be able to do what you were put on the earth to do. Yes. It's just not true. Um, but people are very afraid to live without their darkness. Yeah, I had 
an experience like that. I'm in recovery. I'm a sober person. And I, you know, people always talk about their demons when they're talking about addiction. And I, looking back, especially after reading your book, I'm like, oh yeah, like I really understand that now. I'm sure there was some kind of dark energy that was just attached to me. And I, and nothing but bad things happened to me for years. And I was just a dark, miserable person. And I was, I was afraid that I was going to lose my creativity if I cleaned up my life and stopped. But then one day I was lucky enough to get myself out of that. And I mean, I don't really know, but it seems to me that my frequency raised and whatever I had attached to me kind of went away or I don't know, at least I got stronger than it. Exactly. And that's, that is, you know, kind of another thing that I I love to tell people too, is like all of these things that you're afraid of, all of these entities that attach and yes, they exist. And yes, be wary and mindful of those things you know, you are stronger than that when you step into your power and, and taking back your life is stepping into your power. And you will know that you're doing a fantastic job raising your frequency when the world reflects that to you. Mm-hmm. So I love this, you know, I'm always talking about um, what I call spiritualists. You know, those are spiritualists, spiritual gurus who tell you what you should be doing, but their lives are shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? And you know these people, Uh you've seen these people, like they're always the peace, love and light, but everything is falling apart. (laughs) Um, You know, they're constantly talking about how they're of high mind and high frequency and, and preaching all of these things about what you should be and what you should be doing, which I don't believe in anyway. But at the same time, the lives around them reflect chaos. Nothing is going well. Everything's a mess. They're depressed. They're, you know, doing all of this in the background. When you are actually in the space of raising your frequency, raising that vibration, the universe will will reflect that back to you. Things will be easier. You know, people of low frequency that you've been around forever might drop away. You you have new people in your life that are people that you admire and respect. Jobs come easier, you know, relationships, whatever it is that you're looking for starts to come in. So I think that's the best way of knowing how you doing, you know, how am I doing? Yeah. Well, and I was thinking, as you were saying, that, I was thinking kind of going back to the you being cocky kind of a thing you you do talk about um like if you're scared or unsure or something that doesn't help your case with fighting these demons and is that sort of the same thing with somebody that's trying to overcome one it's like you have to be powerful if you start like if you go back to that darkened weak weakened state they will feed off of you and grow is that is that right Yeah. I mean, you want to move yourself from a space of vulnerability to strength and you're working on, on your frequency and and on my Instagram and stuff. I give people tips on how to do that, but like working on that, raising that vibration, it does two things. It brings you closer connected to spirit, which is a positive. So those high beings, you know, those, those entities from above, um, it brings you closer to them, makes your communication with spirit clearer. You get messages more often. You get information. Those things are, are different. Um, and 
it also brings you into your power. It also strengthens you from the inside out. It starts with the energy and you notice a shift in the way you think after that. So in other words, you know, like instead of telling people, well, let's do this meditation and then having, you know, creative people too have a really hard time with mechanical meditation. They can't turn their brains off and that's part of meditation, right? So it's like, okay, forget the brain. <laughs> Don't worry about your brain yet. We're going to start on your energy first and your brain's going to follow. That is kind of the key to connecting to spirit and raising the vibration. Okay. Yeah, I found it interesting that you were talking about, like, if you're an asshole, like, you can take away the entity. But if someone's an asshole, they're an asshole. Is that <laughs> Well, yes, that is real life. I mean, listen, if you want to raise your vibration and you're an asshole, that I commend. I really want you to do that because <laughs> <laughs> that will change your life in a big way. But, I mean, realm walkers in particular, like, people always ask me, well, these kinds of devil energy creatures that are when we have several on the planet unfortunately they're not as common as everything else but it's like you know are they making people bad and the reality is that they're attracted to people who are already wanting to be that right you know some people are scarier than their entities let's put it that way all right well that concludes the first part of my conversation with Rachel. And if you want to hear that spooky story that she told about an entity visiting her in the night and it made her have to keep the lights on, go to patreon.com slash And you can see that video of me and Sam doing our best to go ghost hunting in San Francisco before the pandemic really took over. On next week's episode, we've got Rachel again, and she's going to talk to us a bit more about how we can protect ourselves, and we listen to some EVPs next week. And if you really can't wait a whole week, well, just go buy her book, Sister of Darkness. It's, it's a fun read. And also keep in mind, it's written by a writer, so she really paints great pictures with these stories, and she's got a, a great sense of humor. It's really... It's really a fun read. I actually sped through that book. I couldn't put it down. So uh, go check out her book, Sister of Darkness. Please give this show five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you give five stars. And if you have a ghost story, you can write it in a five-star review. You can also put it in the Facebook group, Ghosted by Roz Dresfalez. I want to do a listener episode, so please send me your ghost stories to ghostedbyroz at gmail.com with the subject line, listener episode. I'm on Cameo, Roz Dresfalez. Patreon, Roz Dresfalez. Please spread the word of this show. Let's take over spooky season. I'm on Instagram, Roz Dresfalez. I love you all, both living and dead. But if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! A podcast network.